following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. NFL Week 11 edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. But let's call it a one-man table today. Matty Holt, he's got some commitments at work. Vice President CG Technology is going to have that occasionally. It's me and it's Fez. But guys, I think this is going to be a particularly interesting show. And here's the rationale. Typically, it's okay. About a third of the time is Fez's handicap. Third is Maddie. Third is mine. We're a little less with me. This time, though, we're going to take Maddie's third. Now, we're very fortunate. He wrote up every game with a wise guy report from behind the counter. So we're going to read that and get Maddie's core insights on every game. But then we're going to take that little extra time to pick a couple of topics this week to deep dive on. And we can let this kind of be a beta, a test. If you like these deeper dives into certain topics like home field advantage or whatever, injuries, how you handle them, maybe we'll start doing those in a separate podcast, 20 minutes or so a week of deep dives that we pull out of the main pod your feedback's going to help us decide that. So please, at RJ in Vegas, let us know what you think of the deeper dives that we're going to do here. But in general, we've got the same goodies for you. We got a double like. We got best bets. We've got a crossfire. In fact, we're going to be leading with a crossfire this week. And it's a Colin Cowherd disagreement game. I'm pretty excited about it. So let's get going. All right, we got the Falcons. We got the Seahawks. We're going to have a crossfire on this one. But first, the Colin Cowherd disagreement. By the way, my disagreement is actually on my best bet. So I'll be disagreeing with Fez. His power ratings on my best bet. And it is a surprise. A lot of you are going to be very surprised at this one. Seahawks at home in this game favored by three. Colin has Seattle Fez number six. What do you've got? Got him out of the top 10 at number 11. I downgraded them, RJ, due to injuries on the defense, the Legion of Boom, not what it was earlier this year. Okay, so that means relative to early this year, Seattle isn't as good of a team, but how make the case why there's 10 teams better. So give us team number 10 and nine, just to get a feel like these are the last teams that you had just a smidge above Seattle. Yeah. So I got Carolina playing much better. Their defense is much better than Seattle's defense, comparable offenses. Uh, maybe sales got a slightly better offense, but certainly Carolina, much better defense and Jacksonville, Saxonville, better team, right? Jacksonville now. better than Seattle. Oh yeah. Jacksonville's look at their stats yards per play. That's the metric we love to fall back on. Jacksonville, because of that incredible defense, they're almost plus one yards per play, much better statistically than Seattle. Wow. I mean, I agree with that, but by, by that theory, Atlanta should be your best, your number one team. So it goes beyond yards per play. You know, I lean towards Colin here because I think the thing about Seattle, Seattle's got a little bit of Belichick in them. 
meaning they win those games they're not supposed to win. Not always, not as much as New England. But let me tell you, honest to God now, you've got to bet your whole year's salary, your, your bet, or, you know, let's say you're betting a half a million dollars. This is life-changing money for you. A half a million bucks. Seattle, Jacksonville, neutral field. They're playing in the Super Bowl, but somehow it's this week. You're betting on Jacksonville. Just slow down. I want you to relax a minute, and I'm going to give you a little music. It's life-changing money, half million. If it's week 12 and they're playing in London on a neutral site, I will certainly bet on Jacksonville. Well, wait, wait, wait. You've been talking about Jacksonville and their London home field advantage. If it's in Hawaii, I'll bet on Jacksonville. Or Kansas City, I'll bet on Jacksonville. It's not fair to say the Super Bowl because obviously Seattle, having been to the Super Bowl, has some, some edges that. there. But but if it was just like this Mexico City game. Absolutely. In Mexico City, I will bet on Jacksonville. That defense is absolutely awesome. And Seattle right, is so all right, crippled. All right. All right. I think 90% of the listeners are disagreeing. By the way, Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest champion. Speaking of that. Crossfire time. Now, many would say I'm an underdog, but I have confidence, baby. So, Fez, I am letting you start off crossfire. Well, I'll make my case for Atlanta. You mentioned it. So you like Atlanta I, here, plus three. I like Atlanta, plus three. They've got the much better stats, frankly, than everyone in the NFL. The plus 1.2 yards per play, twice as good as Seattle. Seattle also... Has, so when you say choice is good, plus six, plus 0.6 versus 1.2. That's correct. And Seattle has had the easiest strength of schedule by my numbers in the NFL. That's all about their cupcake division that they play in. So because of that, I really think Seattle's living off of the past. And there's been real chinks in their armor. Let's take a look at their just their last two weeks. Washington Redskins, we talked about it. their whole old line is out. They're leading Seattle is 14 to 10. There's a minute to play. The Legion of Boom of old would never give up that lead to a crippled Washington team. Kirk Cousins marches them right down the field. They don't just cover. They win the game because the defense collapses last week against Arizona. A very challenged offensive team. Boom. Seattle blows the cover at the very end. Same problem. Can't stop a horrible Arizona offense at the end of the game. And now you've got um, Richard Sherman. Their best defensive player is out. Cam Chancellor, very important safety, is all banged up. And you've got a third defensive player as well, Earl what, Thomas. What, what's, what's Chancellor and Thomas's status? They're questionable. We're, we're, so questionable in the NFL means over 80% that they're going to Probably going to play, not be close to 100%. 100% physically on the field. Okay. So a couple questions. I listen to you closely. I would say a, a significant portion of my NFL expertise has been learn from you, listening, talking, etc. My question is this. You are famous. I mean, famous on the internet, famous in Germany, <laughs> big in Germany for taking coin flips like one team, one possession to end the game. And you'll often say, oh, coin flip, and it went against them. That means they're over or uh, underrated. In this case, though, you're making these coin flip situations endemic, emblematic, of some flaw. Explain to me when that work, other than it's just the pick you've got, when does that work where that coin flip result doesn't matter because it goes against you? And when does it, it's like somehow 
representative of the team's true grit and merit. All right. We'll take a coin from last year. So you're smiling like I've got a good point. No, I got a good response. (laughs) Last year, there was a coin flip that went against Atlanta. Atlanta went to Seattle, same venue. They're catching six, and they just kicked Seattle's butt the entire game. And then the coin flip tails against them. The refs cheated them, basically. They should have gotten a pass interference call that wasn't called. And so Seattle you went, won. And you talked about Atlanta being better than they seem the rest of the year off that. Yes. So, right, so why not look at Seattle and say they could have won that Washington game? They could have won that, you know, the, the first game you mentioned and say, wow, where would they be in my rankings if they won those two? I wouldn't have changed my rankings because my rankings normalize for random events like that. Okay, but now how can you make it endemic of the Legion of Boom being somehow now not good because of those two random events? Well, Richard Sherman's going to be out now for the entire game. It's going to be even worse. We're talking about a separate matter. (laughs) So you're conceding those two coin flips aren't that emblematic. I I am, and I also am conceding. I'm very worried about that massive Seattle home field. Hold on. Hold on. I haven't even done my presentation yet, but you've got it. You've got, you know, you can change. Here's the thing you need to understand. We're, we don't judge here. We judge winners and losers bankroll at the end. All right. You can convert over to Seattle if you want. I just want you to know that, but here's the numbers. Everyone knows Seattle has the best home field in the NFL, them in green Bay. And I think Seattle is number one. You agree with that? I do. Okay. It sounds painful that you agreed. But Seattle has maybe the best home field I've ever seen in competitive games. So let me give you a stat. When Seattle's at home and not favored by more than a touchdown, so they can be favored by seven, six, five, one, two, or even an underdog, just not a big favor, which means it's a competitive game. Seattle's not dominant by the spread. 30. 12 and two against the spread. Now this is going back like 10 years, like almost 75% covers about, you know, a little over 70 against the spread. This is favored by three. This is as competitive as you get. These are in theory, they're saying Atlanta is the better team here. And I think in competitive games, you got to give four and a half to Seattle. I think as the home field, then you go to Monday Night Football. I'll let you say, what is Seattle's ATS record at home in Monday Night Football, which is another example or another indicator of crowd engagement? 15-5-2, going back to the 1980s. So this, And again, to me, I'd be interested to sliver that out since the new stadium, which I think has been a big difference in the crowd enthusiasm, the noise. We've all seen the noise meter. So Monday Night, now... We always talk about the first game after a major injury. Everyone steps up. You don't think the crowd is showing up saying this is a statement game that we're still in the mix. The Seahawks are still in the mix to win this thing, even without Sherman. The crowd and the team, fever pitch. Fever pitch. I agree. So what? So what? Come on over. Come on over. Atlanta's too much better. At some point when I have not just the better team, but the much better team, I have to take three points, especially considering I don't want to care, talk about the 32 and 12. I want to talk about. I bet oh, you. I, I, I'm sure you don't I want to talk about. Oh, and one, because the trend applied last year when they hosted Atlanta and they got their butts kicked all game long and the refs bailed them out. 
this was a Super Bowl team last year, you know, right? The Seattle beat at home. Oh, I, I know when they, they beat this team 36-20 in the playoffs. So they absolutely crushed Seattle at the end of the year also. Where was that game at? At Atlanta. Okay. All right. So here's what I'll say. Fez lost that one. I'm going to judge it. But you know what I, <laughs> you know what I find interesting is most listeners are saying, wait a minute, you think Atlanta's better than Seattle? So Fez, you do. I mean, if you look at Collins' rankings, he had Seattle above Atlanta. Yeah, he won't by the time the playoffs no, start. No, and- I understand. But the point I'm saying is this is why you're Fezzik. You could be wrong here, right? Because the goal is to be right 55% of the time. But I do think that that you're that the, all of this debate is based on you believing Seattle's better, or I'm sorry, Atlanta's better because of those stats shows you the way a wise guy thinks. And I'm only right if they're not just better; they have to be much better. You're right. You're right. Especially to overcome not only the home field but that that injury surge that first game. Next game, it's a public pounder. We've got Lions. We got Bears. Lions on the road, favored by three. And almost 90% of the tickets on the Lions. Let's get to smart. Oh, let's back up. Smart money report from Maddie on this crossfire game. Three times more money wagered on Seattle over the counter. Two times more money on Seattle on account. So in general, over the counter square money account is sharp money. And thus two times the sharp money on Seattle. So it's RJ. And the Sharps on Seattle and Fez off alone. Oh, wait, wait. All the Joes are over there, too. I'm with the Joes. <laughs> I love it. All right. So smart money on this Lions game is 95% of the money wagered over the counter on the line. So as we said, public pounder up at pregame.com where you can see the bet splits and the ticket count or the ticket count and the money on every game. Just go to pregame.com and type uh, or or click the Game Center tab and then go into the Consensus sub-tab, and you can see that on every game. It's the only place on the Internet. The cash is free. The cash splits are free up at pregame.com. So this is a public pounder for sure, and... The sharp money is also on the lines, but just a smidge. It's, you know, we're taping on Wednesday, so not a lot of sharp money on the lines. Fez, lean or like? I like the Bears here. It's all about the Bears having been really good at home despite playing a very difficult schedule at home. Hey, they had a bad game against Green Bay. They fumbled into the pylon, gave away a touchdown. I still had the Bears on the wrong side last week, but they played four premium teams at home, and they played four very good games at a against Atlanta. They should have won that game. They crushed Pittsburgh. They played a coin flip game against Minnesota. They beat Carolina by 14 points. Those are probably four playoff teams that they played better than average against. Certainly given that's the fact they can handle a Detroit team, a soft dome team that goes in the elements, 35 degrees, some wind in the outdoors. And this is the Detroit team that got outplayed last week, outstatted by the Browns, RJ, the Browns. (laughs) <laughs> I hear you. I agree that Detroit's overrated. Um, I lean Chicago. Here's what's keeping me from the like. In the NFL in general, when a team has a disappointing performance, it's usually cause of motivation. Because by definition, if you lose a game by the amount you're supposed to lose, let's say you're a 10-point dog, you lose by 10. You're not going to really 
feel that disappointed. You wanted to win, but you met expectation. Not that they all know the line, but you know, hey, they're supposed to beat us. They beat us, but it was fairly close. So to me, usually a team that gets blown out by 30 or they're favored by seven and they lose the game, it's cause of a lack of effort. Now, sometimes it can be turnovers or something, and that's fluky. But in general, it's like, hey, guys, we effed up this time. We better step it up now because we don't want to have two embarrassing performances in a row. I don't think that's what happened to Chicago. I think Chicago was in a perfect situation last week. They were playing a Hundley that had played two full games off of his perfect scenario on Monday night that he laid a total egg on against this Lions team, a team, like you said, is not very good. And they had a, a chance to literally say, we're going to beat up our big brother. You use that in your analysis right here on the dream preview. So wouldn't you say Chicago was in a perfect spot last week? They were. I think they relied on the fact that they I don't know. Oh, hold on. I don't want you to start making excuses before I even make my point. So here's my point is I think one, if you lose in a perfect spot, you got to reevaluate how good you think the team is. But number two, I'm not sure they're going to say, let's bounce back this week. I think they're going to say, wow, this is demoralizing because we just, it's almost like a little mini dream crusher. Cause they, that was, they, they're not making the playoffs anyway for them. It was winning. That game was going to make their season beating the Packers. I think there's a little mini dream crusher here. Possibly, but you said it best. They weren't going to make the playoffs. They hate the Lions also. They hate the Packers mm, more. Yes. There is some recency bias here. We got to be a little careful. They played five home games. They played four really good home games and one bad one. And we're looking at the most but if you recent look at, one. If you look at Chicago over the last three or four years, their home field is way below average in the NFL. So we can call the five games recency bias too. Fair enough, but one thing for sure, Detroit, when they go on the road in the elements, there's no recency there. They've just been way down compared to when they're at home in the Dome. No, I agree with that. By the way, last thing on this game, you have Bears 4-0 ATS, and this was the exact same thing you had on the report last week, but you have the teams listed, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Mini, and Carolina, and all you did was just add dog to after home. So now you've got some subcategory. Somehow when Chicago's favorite, it doesn't count. I do think that Chicago is built with a game manager at quarterback and Trubisky to cover as a dog much more so than a favorite. A lot of people will bet your best bet are wondering. About yeah, I, that bet, I, bet more, I bet more on it, believe See, me. See, I actually disagree with you in that regard. Let's take a minute and talk about this because we have those minutes here. Is I agree if you're a bigger favorite, even towards six, which it opened at last week, I agree you want a little faster pace to get a little distance. What did it close at four? Yeah, money came in on the I, dog. I, but what I'm saying at four now, it's it's not just win the game. But you don't really need margin. You it, you just need to win the game. And 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 uh, obviously sometimes you're going to win by one, two, or three. But what I'm saying is this isn't about pace. This is, this is just if you have the better team at home, you you lay the four. I wouldn't want let's say the Bears laying eight against the Browns or something. I agree with you there. But do you really think that? That's kind of funny to think they'd be a home favorite. <laughs> I'm not sure they'd be that big. But do you, I don't think that – I think if anything, I don't want Trubisky thrown from behind. So I'd almost rather them supposed to win the game just so they don't need too much margin. I think as long as it's below seven, I agree. Yeah, all right. Next game. This is one of our lopsided games. That means the public is wild on one side and – 
so are the sharp. So think about it. A public pounder, and this is a new concept. A public pounder is the public's all over it. Sharps, if they're on the other way, is a pros versus Joes. If the sharps are neutral, it's a public pounder. This is lopsided. This is when you have both the public and the sharps on the same side. And that means the books are just rooting. The liability is gigantic. This is the biggest liability of the week, according to Maddie. Patriots, Raiders, both the Sharps and the recreational batters, the squares on the Patriots in this game. And it's the biggest liability of the week. If the Pats win, the betters win the most of any game this week. Fez, you actually have a total on this game. Yeah, I'm on the over, as is the public. It opened 50. It's up to 53. I still think it's the right side. Simplistic handicapping. New England, best offense in the NFL. Defense, worst stats in the NFL, greatly improving. Oakland, very good offense with Carr, now healthy. Defense, absolutely atrocious. So you've really got the offenses with huge advantages over the defenses on both sides of the ball. Another deep dive here. A lot of people will say never bet. Like some people will say never bet if you don't have the best number. Meaning if a number is 50, don't bet 50 and a half. If a number was ever 50, don't bet 50 and a half. I'm of the belief if you trust your number, let's just say for the sake of argument, a game was pick them. And let's say you believe that the game should be 10. Now that's so, that's almost impossible, but let's say. All right. Now, if someone, if you couldn't bet because you were in jail, but you wanted to bet and someone offered you minus seven and a half, even though the market was pick them, would you bet? If it was going to close 10? No, no, stop, stop, stop. The game's pick them if you were in Vegas, but you're in jail, all right? And you can't bet anywhere else. Someone, you're saying, you're, you're someone across the... <laughs> across block a is willing to book it, but he wants you to lay seven and a half. Do you bet it? Absolutely not. Even though the number should be 10. I think the number should be 10. The market thinks it should be. So don't, but if you trust your number, I don't trust my number a hundred percent. I would actually do a weighted average and say the right number in the game had to be somewhere in between. Interesting. And, and I think that is fascinating is you're saying you being by many accounts and quite frankly, by my account, the best NFL handicapper in the world that's public, right? There could be guys, secret guys I've never met and they could be better. I don't know, but I've never met one better. Fez, you're trying to interrupt me, giving you all this love. Go ahead. To draw an analogy in the Lord of the Rings, Smog is the biggest, baddest bad guy in that book, right? And he comes down on Lake Town. I, I, where I grew up, if you watched Lord of the Rings, you'd get beat up. So I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Fair enough. But uh, the dragon thinks to himself, I'm just going to smoke these, these men of Lake town. I'm a fire breathing dragon, but he thinks to himself, <laughs> but the lake is stronger than I, and I, he can't dive underneath the lake. Same thing. The market is stronger than I, if I think it's 10 and the market says pick them, it's probably the right number closer to pick them. Who hit I didn't hit that. <laughs> I think the audience just started. Here's what I'll say. I agree with you. And I think it's another teaching moment which is the idea that no matter how much you trust, is there anyone in the NFL that you trust their number more than yours? I understand the market is collective IQ, but is there any individual? No. Okay. So think about that guys. Now slow down. Fezzik saying on one hand, I am the best in the world at what I do. There's no one better. 
and I could have anyone's numbers I want, but I would not trust theirs over mine. That is ego. That is confidence. And it's, it's earned in his case. On the other hand, he's saying, even though I think I have the best single opinion that the collective IQ, and there's a book called the wisdom of crowds that was very widely read maybe five, six years ago. I haven't heard as much about it, but the concepts are still pertinent. The whole idea of collective IQ, that the crowd is smarter than any individual. And Fez is saying, as much as I trust my number, if the crowd is saying something way off, I'm thinking we're somewhere in between. That's a fascinating concept. And last week we talked about a game like that with San Francisco and the Giants. Remember when the Giants went up to three and I told you, RJ, I said, after San Francisco wins this game, aren't we going to come back and say, hey, the Giants have quit on their coach. Why were they betting on the Giants? Well, someone was betting with a whole lot of money. I disagreed with that opinion. I'm not always right. I'm not always wrong. But I do disagree with the market at times. Well, you have to. If you never disagree with the market, how can you win lane 110? Right. You have to. Which is back to the old adage, you got to be contrary and correct when it comes to winning at sports betting. But back to the main concept, though, you're willing to like over 53. Obviously, you like it less than over 50, but you believe that that the so what would the what should the number be on this game? I think 55. All right. So at 50, you would make a really big bet at 53. You maybe make a small bet. Yeah, and I, I, in fact, did bet the opener at 50. I just said, oh, that's a stupid number, and I fired it on it, and then I made a mistake. I should have bet also on over 51, and I didn't. All right, let's talk about the side. I like, it's leaner like, I like New England here. And this is really a, a two-concept, a two-factor handicap. Factor one, and by far the biggest, is the Patriots stayed in Colorado after they beat Denver. So you had a buy and the plan was before Denver and the plan was guys, we're going out and we're having a, a 10 day trip, some variation of that. It's like a second training camp. How motivated was Brady? I would say Brady is that, did you watch the Denver game fest? Yes, I did. Yeah. He was, you know, uh, Bill Simmons was talking about this is, is he was at that next level of intensity is it's like, guys, here we go. We're starting our stretch run. Did you feel that? I did. And right. you see that every year with the Patriots, frankly, that they really. It seems like you didn't want to say that. Like, why are you saying I did? It's because I'm thinking about the altitude on this game. Okay. Well, that's a separate factor. But the point, and, and, and let's talk about it. the point, though, that I'm making is now they're spending the whole week in like a, a quasi camp situation. And there's no coach better in unusual travel situations. Now, obviously, the Raiders played in Mexico City last year. So I think there's some advantage there relative to the whole Jacksonville over in London. So do you give the Raiders a quarter point because they played this trip last year? I think you have to, right? At least. I think so. So that said, I think that they're on a mission. And if it's on a neutral field under a touchdown, I like the Pats on a mission. And I'm passing on this game, actually. Uh, on the side. On the side. And here's why. I don't know enough about altitude, and I'm never going to second guess the genius. But everything that I've ever read. Belichick, the genius. Yes, Belichick is, is the genius. When you go, and I know guys who are like marathon runners, and they, they have like a marathon at altitude. And they fly in. They say the later you can get there, the better. The night before. Don't spend. Remember, remember New England is spending the week in Colorado. 
They're not spending the week in Mexico City. Right, right. But I would much, they're still spending it at a mile high. But I'm not sure. I don't think they're spending in Denver necessarily. So that's interesting, right? Because I know it's in the state of Colorado. I, I don't know. Is the whole state at altitude? No, only the Denver side. So that's interesting. That So what you're saying is if they're staying at altitude, you think that could be draining for them? Exactly. Because that week, it's like climbing Everest. You don't stay up at base camp. You stay at base camp. You don't go up to camp four and hang out for four days. And everything I've read says that hurts um, your long-term performance. But we don't know where what the altitude is of where they're staying. That's right. Now, if you would have known that, I would have given you only in dreams, Baz. But we have, I'll be doing the homework. I'll tweet it out too. But that's a fascinating concept. So that's a factor to me. Do you agree, though, this whole kind of quasi camp is a big edge for the Pats? Oh, I love it. Getting away from home and just focused on football for a week is huge. And with New England, that, that time is going to be spent most effectively with, uh, with Belichick. They're not going to be out partying, no. Okay. And the second factor is simple. I just think the Raiders are overrated. This is a team that won a lot of close games last year. And, and especially in Vegas. I mean, we just this week had a big celebration, groundbreaking. This town is betting the Raiders like crazy. And that kind of biased money affects the number. But I don't think the Raiders are overrated because Carr effectively was out for three games. We've spoken about that. And I actually I read something, RJ. I don't know if it's 100% accurate. Well, what's your power rating right now on just give me the number on Pats and give me the number on Oakland. The Pats are six points better than average. Oakland a half point better which a lot of people say I'm crazy to have them better. I read, an I, article, disagree. I read an article that said that a week, and I don't know if it's accurate. They're 2-0. and They went to Washington. And Carr came out and said, I don't like this protesting. This protesting is wrong, you know, kneeling. And I heard there was a revolt of his offensive line who played an offensive game against a bad Washington defense. I almost think maybe I should take those stats out of the Oakland but, stats but, here today. Uh, who's to say how much of a lingering resentment there is? It's a good point. Mm-hmm. Listen, guys, this is art, not science. We're not sure. So recap, and I like New England here. We're going to find out where they're staying. If I can't believe Belichick. If you know this about altitude, I, I'm guessing he's somewhere below sea level. He's smarter than <laughs> I am. He might be at, at the Dead Sea for all we know. <laughs> Next game, this is our second big liability game. Once again, sharps and squares on the same side. Eagles, Cowboys, big game, big game. Eagles favored by three and a half. And right now, the smart money and and the square money on Philadelphia, on Philadelphia here. Fez, lean or like? I lean Philly. It's a strong lean because it went to three and a half. At three, it would have been a like, RJ. And there's a lot of reasons that I like the Eagles here. The Cowboys, their best player on offense, defense, and special teams are all out. Elliott is out. So, so let's be clear. All right. Elliot's out for sure. Go ahead. Yes. And the left tackle is maybe he's going to play. Maybe he isn't without him. They got sacked six times against Atlanta. He certainly won't be a hundred percent. He's critical on defense. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I think with linemen and, and you tell me, especially tackles that don't have to pull. I, it's more of a binary for me. We always say injuries are not binary. Binary would be play, doesn't play, right? 100% or zero because he's not on the field. It can be zero or it could be 100, 90, 80, 70. In general, when linemen play, do you often, I don't think I've ever even heard that, that, oh, the line didn't play well because they had their players on the field, but they were somewhat hobbled. 
You don't hear that much. It feels like it's it, they either play or they don't. Well, that's because people largely ignore the yeah. offensive line. Okay. But if you're not pulling, I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. All right, go ahead. And on defense, uh, Sean Lee, their middle linebacker, is out. He's the most, He's out for sure. For sure. And remember, this is a, a defense that wasn't that good last year. And they lost their whole secondary. Their defensive line is very good. But they really need him at linebacker as well. There's just too much pressure on their defensive line. Their kicker, Dan Bailey, is a very good kicker. He's out again. So a lot of pieces missing. Hey, but they're the underdog. The underdog typically is more motivated than the favorite. That is not the case here. Last year, Philadelphia, you'll remember this game well. I hate to bring up back bad memories. October 30th last year, the Eagles catching five and a half at Dallas. Kicked their butt the whole game. The Eagles were four and two going into that game. They're up seven and driving. Four minutes to play. They don't win. They don't cover. They lose by six in overtime. A game that started the downward spiral to the entire Philadelphia Eagle 2016 season. They had them in Jerry's World last year. It's payback time. That's pretty good professional presentation from Steve Fezzik. This is one that's too deep to dive, but I want to put it out there for maybe a spring podcast. Now, this is from Bill Barnwell, a really analytically driven ESPN writer. So when Lee, their linebacker, is on the field, the passer rating for the Cowboys opponent is 85. When he's off the field, it's 108. That's huge. When Lee is on the field, 3.5 yards per rush for the opposition. That's below average, 4.1 or so is the average. And when Lee's off the field, 5.5 yards per rush. So if you just look at a quarterback rating of 85 and a yards per carry of 3.5, that defense you would extrapolate out is probably about the 10th best defense. You agree with that? Better, so better, I think. Maybe even better. 85 isn't great for a quarterback rating, but but I, defense, you'd be one of the four or five best run defending teams, maybe the 12th or 12th. So let's say somewhere 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Okay. If the numbers, though, are 107 or 108 and 5.5, you're probably the worst defense in the league. Right up there, yeah. All right. So are we saying now, because it's one thing to say it's a handful of games. But these are hundreds of reps, right? That's what's interesting. Can we say, now, here's the question. If a defense goes from number 10 to number 32, what's the line change? Four, five points? And the truth is. Now, but let's define that first. If, if just somehow, some way you had the 10th best defense and God came and started plucking players off that D to the point where they became number 30. How much do you adjust the line that week on that game? Five. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Could Lee be worth five points? No. So what? What's explain it to me because I can't figure this out. Well, it's the law of small samples. But is, is it a small sample when it's, we're not talking about points scored. We're not talking about wins and losses. We're talking about yards gained and quarterback rating, which means there's been hundreds of reps. Yeah, but there were hundreds. Let me give another example. Lane Johnson last year when he played for the Eagles. They were, they, they went seven and nine for the year. They went seven and one with him, but that's, that's only eight data points. That isn't, it'd be interesting if you look at yards per play and, and all kind of different things that would have had hundreds of reps during that time, as opposed to eight. Fair enough. Fair right? enough. That's what I'm saying. Something we should do in the off season is quantify on and off the field stats to points 
and then try to just really say this whole because let's be candid. Everyone's going around saying no defensive player is worth more in a point, and there's only a handful, J.J. Watt, whatever, and no, you know, Lyman's worth more than a half a point. I mean, is our Lyman worth more than a half a point? Then I never hear anyone talk about it. How do we know that's correct? I know that it's been passed down knowledge. And it comes down to the backup that I think any one player versus a replacement player is probably only worth one. But clearly there are teams that don't have a replacement player at certain positions. Well, they do. They have their second string middle linebacker. Yeah, and he might be way worse than everyone yeah. else's second but, string. But then you might think he's worth a point or, or, or a point and a half, but not, not what it seems like he's worth here. I would say the true answer is probably that, yes, he's critically important, but not as important as the numbers you relayed, maybe because of the strength of schedule with and without him. But that, that's a way to think it could be, but we'd have to look at it. I'm going to pass this game because I don't know about the left tackle, and I think it's a big factor. So I do think the Eagles are going to be fo- – usually with a road favor, you've got to worry about motivation. I don't think motivation is an issue here because this team wants to keep riding this wave. This is a – you know, they feel like the Eagles, they've arrived. So just to repeat, Fez lean on Philly. I'm passing the game, and this is the second biggest liability with a ton of Philly sharp and square action. Next game – Speaking of road favorites, this is my trend game of the week. This would probably be my second best bet if I had a second one on this pod. And it's the Baltimore Ravens laying two at the Packers. I like Baltimore road favorite, which I hardly ever bet. But check this out, Fez. Let's do the smart money report first. Smart money says two times more money wagered on Baltimore over the counter, which is square. One and a half times more wagered on account, which is sharp. So some some liability here, but not extreme. Both sharps and squares on the Ravens. I'm with the sharps on the Ravens. Here's two stats for you. Road favorites in the NFL off a bye. Now, what's the logic of why road favorites struggle? They're clearly better than the team. They have distractions of travel, and they tend to look ahead because, hey, they're so much better than this team. That's why they're favored on the road. Is that a fair representation? Yes. When you have a buy, you're not looking ahead. You've had two weeks to think about this team, right? So there's logic there. Road favorites blind in the NFL off a buy, 61 and 23 against the spread. 73%. And if they're not a Pittsburgh Steelers team, they're probably even <laughs> better, right? Well, there's only a handful right, of those games. Now, this is now, did you know that? No, I did not. That's pretty, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Can't step in front of that freight train. That alone will have me looking towards Baltimore. Now, here's even better. If the team that's the road favorite does not have a winning record. So you might say, well, that's worse. No, it means they're playing a really bad team and they crave a win. It's almost like that zero win team off a bye. This team's a losing team that's clearly better than their opponent that needs a win. Those teams are 20 and five, 20 wins, five losses against the spread as a road favorite off a bye without a winning record. That makes a lot of sense to me because when I do my power ratings, when a team goes into a bye, RJ, I typically bump them half a point for a little extra rest. But when a team's having a terrible year, 
I oftentimes bump them a point because I say, hey, this will give us some time to fix it. The players will go ahead and focus. When a team like the Steelers is on a long winning streak and they go to a bye, I'm like, oh, God, they're going to go on and just have a week of uh, debauchery and come back worse possibly than they started. I agree with all that. And then the last factor here, or the next to last quickly, Harbaugh. Harbaugh off a bye. Good coach, no doubt. Harbaugh first week of the season, which is very analogous. You have a lot of time to prepare for that game. In his career, 14-5 and against the spread. So he's a good with rest. Uh, To me, this is just... And then the last factor is Green Bay's off a high, right? They just won at the Bears. I'm not saying they're not motivated, but I think the market's saying, hey, Hunley might be something. He's fine. You know, maybe he is. I don't know. But I think you're going to see fever pitch from the Ravens. Second best bet of the week. I like Ravens. I think you should give yourself a... uh... A little dream pod music to that. I, you've won I me I'm over. gonna do. I'm gonna do even better. Now, listen, th- though. I want to hear this. You came in with a lean on Green Bay. Sounds like you're switching. I came in with a teaser. So remember, we you moved your teaser to another game. Fair enough. Yeah. So and you said you were leaning Green Bay. I was mistaken to lean that way. So you're changing. I am changing. That's Woo! the whole point of being a pro. Better. <laughs> you listen to people who've done better research than you. Hey now. I love it. I love it. All right, guys, next game. Oh, it's pros versus Joes. It's pros versus Joes here, baby. All right, so we talk about pros on one side, Joes on the other. Why these games matter other than Huey, which is so fun, is it's because if the pros are one way, the Joes are the other, think of it like they're each pulling on a tug of war. The Joe money is keeping the line from running due to the sharp action too much. And thus, you can get better value if you do follow the pros. And in this case, it's Chiefs-Giants. And the Joes are on Kansas City. The pros, amazingly, are on the Giants. They, th- there's not a horrible team too horrible for the pros. You might be finding that out later with my best bat. Fez, leaner like. I passed the game. I, all I can say is that I think the Giants have indeed quit on their coach. I talked to Ross Tucker about this. I said... I asked him, did you see NFL players? They're professionals. They don't quit on their coaches. And he started laughing. And he says, oh, I've seen it happen in the locker room when the coach loses his, um, when when the players stop respecting the coaches. And I saw that with the Giants against the Rams. I'm not betting on that team. And by the way, the money came pouring in on these Giants last week. How'd that work out? Okay. I lean on Kansas City. Now, listen, typically we don't hit them with Huey with the lean, but I've been pretty liberal hitting them with Huey. So I'm going to, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I love when he goes, I don't even care. <laughs> you don't care because of the Andy Reid off a of buy trend. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about it. Well, one, we've got the same buy road favor, right? But if you break it down and go to double digit road favorites, I think it was only six games and it's three and three. So you could say pull it out, but you know, I didn't, but it does cause me a little pause that subset here, but here's Andy Reed off the buy, right? 16 and two straight up in the regular season, 14 and four against the spread playoffs, three and one straight up two and two against the spread combined 19 and three straight up more applicable. Here is a big favorite 16 and six against the spread. First time though, Kansas city, a double digit road favorite, since 1992 and it's only the third time in 30 years 
The Giants are a double-digit home dog. Last time, you remember the game, Fez, the undefeated Pats. 2007, game seven, game 16. What a game. Remember it was on the NFL network, but no one had it. So they had, they ended up putting on, I think CBS. Ooh, that was a game, man. It was. And they say, that's why the giants won the Super Bowl is they, they, they figured out because the giants didn't have anything to play for in that game. Lost by seven in that game. It might've been a little less. It was a tight game. Uh, but it could be seven too. They didn't cover for sure. But remember, Giants had nothing to play for. They were locked into that wild card spot. But they played hard, and they got the confidence and won won the Super Bowl. All right. So here's my thinking. I think a lot of this Andy Reid is built into this number. I mean, once something becomes so big that you know, if you do a search for Andy Reid by, there's like th- you know thirty articles about it. Is it's usually people bet. You know, that's why this number is so big. And obviously there's questions about the giants quitting too. So I'm only leaning. I'm only leaning, but I still got hit with Huey and Fez, you passed this game. Next one. This one is going to go fast because there's such a big question mark. We can't really talk about it. Rivers. This is the chargers game. They're circled here. Circled means limited betting at most books. Chargers four and a half hosting the bills. Fest, just give us one or two points that are agnostic to Rivers. Yeah, Rivers as a favorite, if he does play, he's nine and eight as a favorite of one to five points. Oh, I don't even want to hear this. He's nine and 18 I don't want to straight hear this. up. Straight up as a favorite, <laughs> they lose two thirds of their games. Yeah, but it's just, it's your data mine. And if he to... doesn't, and if he, well, the Chargers, that's what they do is lose all these close games. If he doesn't right. play, he's in concussion protocol. The big man, Kellen Clemens, takes over, and he's absolutely horrible, but he might be better than the Buffalo current quarterback, Peterson, that I have no idea what's going on in Buffalo, that all of a sudden Taylor is benched for this guy from Pittsburgh. So let me ask you a question. Is this. Is this something happening, you think, behind the scenes with Taylor that they're trying to teach him a lesson? Is this they've really given up on him? Is it they're trying to get him to feel like maybe his career is going to go down the tubes? And, I mean, like, what's can they possibly think Peterson gives them? Because every NFL team does not make every decision to maximize their chance to win the next game. They make every decision to maximize the number of wins they're going to have that season, right? Which is not always the same. Do you really think... The Bills think they have a better chance to win with Peterson. Probably not. So there's probably something behind the scenes. Maybe there hasn't been enough um, off-workout work being put in to be an effective quarterback. You need to study the film, study the game plan, and maybe that's not being done, and they're sending their quarterback a message. Do you have any sense of that Taylor isn't a worker like that? I don't. Okay. And, and again, obviously, that's always a possibility. How much is Rivers worth? Six and a half. Yeah, right up there, right? One of the 10 most valuable players in the NFL. Absolutely. Okay. And he's uh, not even that good. Well, I mean, relatively, he's very good, right? He's just not good in close games. All right, so we're taping on Wednesday. If you want to follow, it's a good time to think about following Fez on Twitter because we'll have updates on this, and Fez just has so much good stuff. At Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, at Fezzik Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. That's right, Stephen A. Next game. Oh, uh uh-oh. This is when the stakes go up. Every game from here on, actionable. It's either the first two or two teaser games. 
We lost last week, 0-1. Well, I didn't lose, but Maddie and Fez didn't win their teaser, 0-1. We'll keep count like we do with everything. And Fez, you've got a teaser in the Redskins-Saints game, Saints at home, favored by 7.5. I really like this. We got a 7.5-point favorite, a rock and Saints team that some people are starting to talk about being possibly the best team in the NFL. Well, I don't have them there yet, but if you take out those first two losses, the rest of their games, they most certainly have played like the best team in the NFL. Huge home field increasing in the dome. That's rocking seven and a half point favorites, knock it down to one and a half. Basically all they have to do is win the game. RJ, I can't see a scenario other than a lot of turnovers where they don't win the game. What do you, uh, I think I know this number, but, if it's minus 120, I don't. What do you have to, how many, what percentage of teasers do you have to win long term to be profitable at minus 120 with a two team six point teaser? You've got to hit 55%. Well, no, you've you got to hit 55% of your teasers. I'm talking about the individual pieces of the teaser. I think it's 74%. Okay, that's what I remember too. Okay. Um, so what would you estimate? I mean, is this one, like when you have a teaser you really like, are you thinking it's 82? I mean, like what's your guess here? We're at about 78%. I think if you look at the Novig money line on the game, which is yes, essentially a seven point teaser here, it'd, it'd be right around minus 380 on this game. It's a good way to think about it. Here's the stat of the week for me. And I don't think this stat is anywhere else. RJ original saints at home. Faz, you got your pencil out. You're, you're like ready. When they're a winning team. Now, why does that matter? Because the crowd is such a big factor for the Saints at home. So if they're winning, the crowd's into it. If they're not winning, they're not into it. Saints at home with a winning record, 17-2-1 against the spread. Whoo, dog. <laughs> that is good. I think I'll give myself one. What do you think of that one, Fred? I like it a lot. What the hell is that? It's taking a drag of a cigarette there, even though is I don't it a, smoke. Is it a cigarette or is it a joint? Um, just a cigarette. Yeah, this could be a whole podcast. Did you ever, now you went to Northwestern and you were in, was it a mathematics degree or an actuaries degree? Industrial engineering. Wow. Heavy, like building bridges and stuff? Lots of, that's more mechanical engineering. There's much more probability and statistics in IE. Okay. And then you went to... And worked as an actuary for how long? From 86 until nine, until 2001, 15 years. And then you moved to Vegas, haven't had a straight job since. But, but when you were at Northwestern, did you ever smoke weed? One time. Oh my God. What was her name? Uh, Andrew Bruce McDonald. <laughs> Andrew. So, the, so uh, no girl tempted you into it. No, it was my buddy. He was a power lifter and he couldn't believe I'd never tried anything like that. So one time. What'd he, you think? You he, probably you probably got so paranoid. I got I just got hungry. <laughs> and I, then and you probably made a mistake on a test the next day and you were so mad. I just remember ordering <laughs> Michelini's East and boy did that calzone taste good. <laughs> we could do a whole thing, you know, <laughs> like cousin Sal and Simmons have the parents corner now and their guests the line show. We could have like Fez in college. Just I might start that. I'm gonna think about it. You that. know, one more real quick story. I have all the buddies that did smoke, they always tell me, oh, I got to relax. I just got to relax. And I never understood this because they were like the most relaxed guys, RJ. Stoned, not stoned. 
They were so relaxed. Why did they need it? They were probably always stoned, awake and vague. Smart. My, you know, I listen in college, I had my fun for sure, but I was never a weed guy. It, you know, I was not, you know, like probably like, I mean, probably 10 or 12 times, but I never really liked it. Never really liked it. These days it's a, it's like almost like a quasi religion with a lot of people. I love it. And, and, you know, again, it's one thing, is it fun to party on or whatever? And then there's a lot, I think, from what I understand, legitimate, you know, health issue, you know, with, if you're in pain, a lot of cancer patients, you know, so to me, it's very important to separate the medicinal from the, the recreational. And again, people can have different opinions about the recreational, but I think on the medicinal side, it makes a lot of sense to me, at least. Um, smart money report on this game. Both are moderate. The sharps and squares on the saints, nothing major though. And I would lean saints, but I don't want to lay over a touchdown. And I think this Redskins team, you know, the old line got healthier last week. They didn't cover. So people are going to forget that old, they were playing good even without a healthy old line. So I would lean probably, uh, well, I would lean saints. Cause I, I think, you know, the fact I'm going back and forth means it's so close. It's not even worth calling for me. You know, cousins is playing out of his mind, but that Washington defense, they've regressed back to where they were last year, a below average NFL defense. So piece one, leg one of the teaser saints minus, uh, what? One and a half, right? One and a half down through seven and three teaser. Number two, this is mine. Rams Vikings. Vikings favored by two and a half. We're going up through three and seven. I'm taking the Rams plus eight and a half. Now here's the thinking. I think Minnesota's, I think this line's right. If anything, line maybe should be two and a half minus 120. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think Minnesota has a better home field than average. I think the Rams are probably a smidge better. Right. So line makes sense, but here's the beauty one. It's not a crazy high scoring game. So the points mean more. That's important with teasers. But for having a fairly low-scoring game, the back door is wide open, right? Worst case, we're down 14. We get the Rams get the ball with two and a half minutes left. I mean, you're going to cover, you're going to get that touchdown, what, 35% of the time there? That's a good number. That's pretty much how it's priced. You know, a derivative bet kind of ties in with your teaser I think the Rams in the fourth quarter might be worth a look here with Goff and as good as that offense has been and the Vikings just running the ball and they don't have Cook all year long. I think maybe you could make the case that uh, the fourth quarter should be pick them and you pick up a plus a half here. And I'll tell you this, you could make the case that the Rams are not getting enough respect. Check out this stat and then we're going to get Fez's leaner like on this game. But this is a pretty amazing stat is the Rams have won their last three games by over 90 points combined. All right. So 30, 30 and 30 would be 90. So on average over 30 points per game, last three, the only teams have done that in the last 25 years are Russell Wilson's Seahawks, the Patriots and Brady and Peyton Manning and the Colts. It's Jared Goff's Rams is team number four. No team that's ever won those three games by over 90 points were this big of a, were, 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 this is the biggest underdog plus two and a half. Any of those teams have been in that next game. So this is the ultimate amount of disrespect for that amount of domination. And think about that level of domination. What happens when you win by 30? You usually let up the next game. What happens after you win that game by 35? 
then you certainly let up the third game. To be able to do that week after week after week usually means you're a dominant team. You mentioned Jared Goff. Well, one of my consultants, a guy by the name of Jared, has told me all year long that my Rams ratings are not high enough. He thinks the Rams are like those 1999 Rams and could be the best team in the NFC. Now, 1999 Rams where they're that good or 99 Rams where it's all about the passing. Cause to me, golf is probably the third factor in this behind the defense and the running. Now. Yeah. Just in terms of overall power rating, not about offense. All right. So leaner like in the game Fez. we've got, by the way, the, the teaser is closed. Now we've got the saints minus one and a half and we got the Rams plus eight and a half. Yummy. Yummy. I lean Rams. The reason I don't like the Rams. Yummy. Yummy is they have a strength of schedule. That's 30th in the NFL. And again, that's the debate about their power rating, right? Okay, next up, smart money, then a double like, and then two best bets. Smart money, it's the Cardinals, it's the Texans, and based on Matty Holt's feedback, you've got one-sided action with the Sharps heavy on, and again, it's Wednesday, so you can only be so heavy, but heavy on the Texans. Texans favored by one, Blaine Gabbert. It's the quarterback worse than Stanton. If you can believe it, Fazlin are like, I lean to Houston. I'm going to make this handicap very simplistic. Houston was laying six against Indianapolis just a couple weeks ago. I think Indianapolis and Arizona are very comparable teams. If not Indianapolis, slightly better than Arizona. And now I can get Houston basically at a pick them or plus one market has swung too much against a bad, frankly, Houston team. And and I agree with that, uh, but I'm actually going to use my total here. Now, listen, the line's moved. Some of it's Gabbert, and obviously that's justified down. But my favorite guy in Houston, Fred Fowler, Fred, um, him and A.J. Hoffman, big ESPN drive time guys down there. I've done their show for years. But Fred and I do a show on um, SB Nation Radio, so it's national, and it runs Tuesday night six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern across the country. And they replay it by popular demand started last week. The replay on Sunday morning. I think it's, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's 11 o'clock Eastern AM, but check it out if you want. And I also send out the podcast at RJ in Vegas. Fred has been in Houston for years, wrote for the Chronicle. He's a, a, a real strong handicapper too. He said he doesn't expect scoring here at all. And this was even before Gabbard. He liked the under. I agree 100%. The number's gotten away from us. Uh, so it's a you know nice lean on the under, but I do like the under here. Yeah, and I played the under at a higher number, frankly, as well. It makes tons of sense. There's going to be limited offense. My only concern, you can make a case for both sides of every bet. Arians, the eye test, he has a long history of having second and third string quarterbacks having to play because Palmer gets hurt all the time, and he still has them wing the ball down the field. And I, I also think with... <laughs> Well, you mean for the total, though? Right. But yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But this is a game where Texans are going to be conservative. You'd think so. In theory, you know, if it's Savage and Gabbert, except for maybe you had yourself a little bit with a return touchdown prop or something, right? That plus 180, there'll be a return <laughs> touchdown or a defensive touchdown. I actually like that bet. Yeah, and then you're hedging with the under, too. But you have you could win both. There, That's my derivative, baby. I didn't have one. All right, guys, we got double likes and two best bets coming up and. The best bet's going to be fun because remember, one of them has a PR disagreement, a power ratings disagreement with Fezzik and me. So that should be fun. First, though, 
guys, we had such a good week. You think you keep surging like this at a given point, you can't keep growing. Well, we had one of our bigger growing weeks last week. I mean, I'm so excited. And you know what that means? It's coupon time. Every week that we grow, we go up a dollar. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you, if you don't listen to the college pod, they had been growing like crazy. And last week it was flat, but it went up just a smidge. I, I made an executive decision. It did not increase it a dollar. And someone on Twitter goes, you lied. You lied. You're scamming us. Say, nope. I set high standards for the dream preview. And we set high standards for the audience. And we need them, the listeners, to be in this with us. Because this is a passion, guys. I can promise you the hours we spend getting ready for this, the time we spend taping, the post-production, all the promotion, it's a labor of love. And I got to be honest, Faz, and you can speak to this. I mean, the feedback we've gotten, it really is a thrill. Now, listen, I'm pretty lucky, right? I just did today, taping on Wednesday. I was on TV with Colin Cowherd. I'm on with Stephen A. Smith every week. You know, we have the Associated Press relationship. We're the exclusive odds provider. You know, we've been affirmed by the, the, the mainstream media in a wonderful way. And I'll be honest, it's fun, right? Why not? But when you have literally hundreds of people in a given week on Twitter saying, great pod. I listened to it working out. Like we had one, and listen, it, this is going to sound a little maudlin. So I'll say it quickly, literally a cancer patient saying they have to walk for their health. And when we have the longer pods that they actually walk more. I, and again, that <laughs> I should, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't even have said that because it seems too self-serving, but it does speak to the idea that there, there, there is a group out there and it's a big group that loves this. And I'm so proud of that. I'll be honest. I'm more proud of that than all the mainstream stuff because these are, you know, over a hundred thousand people enjoying this. And I think the people can recognize that we sincerely are doing our very best to win and to help them win. It's not easy winning at sports no, betting. No, I had a losing week last, last Sunday went one. You've had a great season. 62% on the year. I was one in four on Sunday. So I had a bad week. It does happen, but it's not through lack of effort each and every week. How do you help us? Tweet out the link. If you like this show, why wouldn't your friends email your friends, tell your friends, all you got to do is search for either RJ bell or dream preview on any of the major podcast platforms, including podcast one. And it's a situation where uh, you'll find it and you can subscribe, which is even better because then you get it immediately or go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. That helps too. We have a perfect five-star rating up at iTunes with hundreds of, and hundreds of reviews. And thank you so much for that. Here's your coupon. Thank you again for the effort and, and, and just to energize us. It really does. And it means a lot. NFL dream 14. So it's NFL, all caps, dream, all caps, all one word, the number one, the number four NFL dream 14. And that means you pick any pick you want in the NFL, physics or anybody's. And you put that coupon in at the shopping cart. And $14 comes off, boom. And you guys have been using the coupon like crazy because you can get Fez's, all his very best late release picks for about half price with that coupon, NFL Dream 14. Double like time, Bengals, Broncos. We got the Broncos at home favored by two and a half, a little bit of extra juice. Fez, you like? Like the Bengals at plus three strongly in a plus two and a half. You know, I just have them rated two and a half points better than Denver. So Frank, are, are there clean threes out there now? 
They're not clean, but they're up there. You can get three, but you got to lay like minus 15 and minus $1.20. So do you like it plus three, minus 120? I do. I do. And it's just about, I get the better team catching three, the much better team. And the home field for Denver, yeah, it's hyped up to be good. I don't have it being anything special. And I wonder, is it even an average home field as bad as the Broncos have been of late? Uh, this is really two teams, though, RJ. I want to actually be looking at times to bet on the rest of the year because of the turnover differential. Both these teams have horrendous turnover differentials. Now, turnovers are supposed to be largely random. I question that for Denver. I really think when I watch Osweiler as a quarterback. Well, the one element of turnover, so there's four elements of turnovers. How many times do you give the ball up interception? How many times fumbling? How many times do you take the ball interception? How many times fumbling? I think the one element that has a huge percentage of skill is throwing interceptions. There's still luck in there, but there's a lot of skill. And when I watch Osweiler throwing the ball down the field, if I, whenever I bet on Denver, I can tell you he leads the league and me uttering, what are you doing? As he throws it into coverage. The ostrich, as you say, Mike Lombardi calls it the height. Speaking of the ringer, I'm actually on cousin Sal's podcast this week. Sal invited me on. It's going to be a pleasure. Um, so you can check that out. If you follow cousin Sal, I'll be on talking about some NFL stuff with cousin Sal. Um, you Fez, I want to clear something up. You said, you said, I'm looking to play on both these teams. Now people might say, wait, you just bet against Denver. So the rationale is nothing affects a game more than turnovers. If you tell me who wins the turnover battle, I'll tell you who covered the spread 77% of the time against the spread, the winner of the turnover battle, huge, but turnovers have a huge element of luck. And that's when you have two teams with a big negative number, they tend to be underrated. In this case, probably both these teams, if you trust that rationale are underrated, that's just a wash. And then there's other reasons you like Cincinnati here. Exactly right. All right. I like Cincinnati also. For me, it's more about, I just wonder if this Denver team wasn't Denver. If there wasn't John Elway, they hadn't won a title two years ago. They didn't have Vaughn Miller. This team since 1989, there's only been 27 teams that's lost five straight games by double digits. So less than one team a year at any point in the season will lose five straight games by double digits. That's what Denver has done. And what has changed? Brand new head coach. You can take that past Denver history. What I'm saying of excellence. Is this Denver team might be the 30th best team in the league with the quarter, the current quarterback situation. Absolutely. And that brand new coaching staff, which clearly has struggled. If something happens once a year and it's a horrible thing, you can't be that good. Right? And Cincinnati, I know it's about a month now, but they were plus three and a half at Pittsburgh. Now I get it. This team isn't as good as people thought a month ago, but the stats are what, what's net yards per play for Cincy? Where are they at? It's good. Five yards per play. They give up 4.7. They're a winning team in terms of stats, according to my numbers. And that's why I think Cincinnati has the value here. By the way, though, it is interesting. Those 27 prior teams that have lost five straight double digits, 16 and nine against the spread. Because you would think, oh, you know, because people show down on them. But here's the thing. This is the first team ever to be favored. All 27 of those teams that lost five straight by double digits, none were favored. And let's this is the first team to be favored. So that whole idea of, of selling this team that's had a horrible result isn't happening because of the name brand factor. And the fact that they were decent Denver pretty good the first month. So if you look at their yards per play for the year, that's actually pretty good as well. But you can throw that pretty much into the trash can. I don't think you should count any of those September games. The defense is a shell of what it was back in September. Two games left, two best bets. 
Don't know about the future, that's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil, I give you a piece of my mind. All right, I'm leading off with a piece of my mind, sponsored by Blossom, is I I don't know the adjective. I'm going to get out the thesaurus. Is it stubborn? Is it recalcitrant? Is it effing crazy? Best bet Browns. Best bet Browns. How bad of a beat, Fez? Let's put it on the bad beat meter. Browns up seven in the fourth quarter, getting 13. Last weekend, they already gave away a return touchdown or they'd be up 14. You lose by 14 with three straight touchdowns. Any other team, it would be a one in 1,000 situation. With the Browns, probably about one in 15. (laughs) I thought you were going to say (laughs) 50-50. But here's, uh, let's talk about the power ratings disagreement. Now, this is going to show you how amazingly strong I think the handicap is in this game. I dis- Now, where do you have the Browns rated in your power ratings? Right at the bottom of the league, nine points worse than an average team. And they're tied with? San Francisco 49ers. And they're tied with? The New York Giants that have quit on their coach. Okay. I think they're overrated. The Browns are overrated. The Browns are worse than the Giants. And they're certainly worth- worse than the 49ers with the way that the quarterback played last week. I mean, just seeing one good game means that he can be competent sometimes, right? The 49ers. So I think the Browns might be two points worse than either of those teams. So people are saying, wait, RJ, you just said you want the Browns plus seven and a half against the Jags. Here's why. I have not seen this season a matchup better than this one for the Browns. So here's the thing about the Browns. The Browns are the worst passing team in the NFL on offense but they're an above average running team. Jacksonville is a horrible defensive team against the run. They're the best team in the league against the pass. So you've got Jacksonville's weakness on defense and it's the Browns strength. So the Browns are going to be able to run the ball. You flip it around. The Browns have one of the worst passing defenses in the league, but they have a great run defense. The Jacks can't pass worth a lick, Blake Bortles, and they run quite effectively. So it's the strength of Jacksonville against the strength of Cleveland. So you have a situation where no possible team in the NFL matches up better against the Browns than the Jags. We're getting a Browns team. If anything, they might feel like, guys, we almost won last week. It could give them a little bit of vigor here. Best bet Browns plus seven and a half. That is an excellent presentation. Just to quantify how great those rushing stats are, the Browns gain more than four yards per rush. They give so up. better than league average. Yeah, better than league average. They give up less than three for a plus 1.2 differential. That ranks them number one in the NFL. They're the best run. And who's the most dependent on the run in the NFL amongst the good teams? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. And who has the worst who has the biggest disparity on defense between their ability to stop the run and the ability to stop the pass? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. And so it's, it's, it's a perfect storm. And I'm glad you brought up storm because there might be a storm because we're playing on the lake in in late November and it's going to be 35 degrees and windy. And you got a team from Florida 
going to Cleveland. We saw what happened when Notre Dame tried to go to the heat and humidity of Miami. Well, now we got the Florida team going up to the lake in bad weather. Both teams are going to run the ball more. I, I tell you what, I love the bet. It makes a complete sense, but I had Cleveland plus 12 last week. I like better. <laughs> I had 13. I want to just bet the stats that Cleveland's going to win the stats. Right, so this is your direct real quick though. Do you, do you think the Brown, do you really, if it was San Fran and the Browns on a neutral pick them, I'd make my biggest bet of the year on the 49ers right now. Probably have the Browns rated too high because their <laughs> implicit stats are so the worst good. team is rated too high. But, they're, but statistically they're almost a 500 team. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but first downs, I love betting just who's going to get more first downs. Cause what do the Browns do? They pound the rock and you get, Three or four first downs, and then they punt and don't score, or Kaiser turns it over. They but, won but against a Jacksonville team that doesn't make a lot of big plays, but they get grinded out. Wouldn't they have a propensity towards more first downs than an, a, another team equally as good as them, but that didn't run as much? They would, but it, but Cleveland trumps that because Cleveland's the king of first downs. When they lost it to to, to Detroit. They out first down Detroit by 10. And you bet that. And what was the plus number for first downs? I was get, catching four. And the way they price the first down, the odds makers, they just look at the point spread. And I can tell you a seven half point favorite. It's always made a two and a half or a three first down favorite. I'll take the plus two and a half first downs on the Browns. Is that bet out there now or you're estimating it? It won't come up until Saturday, Sunday, early morning. So you're saying a seven and a half point favorite will be plus two and a half first downs only. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right, so that is the derivative bet of the week. Now, it's Fez's best bet. Now, listen, this guy, we said, won the Super Contest twice. Follow him on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. But also, when he gives you a best bet, you can know he's taking off the rubber band. What are you doing? Why does guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? Best bet, Fez. All right, best bet. Tampa Bay Buccaneers catching one point against the Miami Dolphins. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Tampa Bay because I'm not a big fan of Tampa. They do get Mike Evans back. He's critically important. He's their number one wide receiver, and he's going to have fresh legs. Remember, neither one of these teams is going to have a bye all year long. So both of the teams are wearing down, but especially the Miami Dolphins. We talked about all that crazy travel they had, the hurricane, having to go to London. But somehow, it's a miracle. They won four games. They've won every close game that they played this year. Every loss they've had was a blowout loss. I'm counting the loss to the Raiders as a blowout loss because they were down 11 with no time left on the clock, and they got eight points in the final uh, after a penalty. When this team loses, they get blown out. They really are a one- or two-win team, but by they've won all of their very close games. Tampa Bay is the better team. It's not even close. Cutler is not getting any better. I expect that the better team is going to go into Miami. No home field at Hard Rock for the Dolphins. Like Probably give them one when they're playing another team from Florida. Tampa wins. By the way, Dolphins is a home favorite. Now it's down to pick them 16 and 46 against the spread at home, 26%. I tell you, though, if this baby were two and a half like the opener, two and a half minus 120, so I'm getting plus two and a half even, I like what you're talking about. I pick them. We got Fitzpatrick, a backup quarterback, and the Dolphins are at home. The Dolphins have the better record. I get the record doesn't only matter. And it's just win the game. It's not really a backup quarterback. He's a very good second string quarterback. But still, even Winston struggles. You have Winston like a point and a half better than Fitzpatrick, right? Fair enough. But I got them both better than Cutler the way that he's playing. And I think Cutler is, it's clear he's taken his 10 million to the bank, baby. And he is just not going to improve. 
I, I'm going to lean Miami here, so I certainly won't bet it against you. But I don't love this one. I don't think there's the line value. I think you've got the handicap and not the line value. I tell you what, I'm going to come over the top and I'm going <laughs> to bet you dinner that on Sunday we can scalp this baby and play all the Miami plus a buck fifteen or plus a dollar twenty. So we what, want. What, so what spread do you think it moves to? I think it closes Tampa minus two. I can't see anyone taking the Dolphins in this game until that line moves up to two. All right, guys. I, I enjoyed this. It was more conversational. Let us know, because even when Maddie comes back, even when we have a third, we can make it more conversational. Let us know if you like this on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. We're also doing the Thursday night game. That's separate. That's a separate podcast. Go to my Twitter. The link will be up Thursday morning, at RJ in Vegas. On Twitter, talk to you there. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time, finally, for America's Lakers podcast. That's right, I'm going to be hosting America's Lakers podcast. My man, Aaron Larsoul, an analytical genius, he's going to bring to the table what I can't every Wednesday. America's Lakers podcast exclusively at podcastone.com, the podcastone.com app, which I highly recommend. You can rate and review this podcast on all Apple products. And guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to bathe in the gossip and the gratuitous negativity that's been swallowing Los Angeles whole lately. Who did what? Who snitched? Who said what? How about truth? How about facts? How about statistics? How about rotations? What's Luke Walton thinking? Who's underperforming? Who's overachieving? Who's rewarded? Who's coming? Who's going? And what are we going to do with all that delightful, delicious cap space? America's Lakers podcast with me, Jay Moore, and my man, my brother, Aaron Larsoul, every Wednesday, podcast1.com.